Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Way Home. Once again, I'm Steve. Uh, I know that you guys know what you're listening to, but it is told to me that maybe <clears throat> I should announce to you what show it is that you're listening to. So there you go. It's The Way Home, and I am on my way home this beautiful Friday. So there's an issue I want to talk about real quick with the last episode that I posted yesterday. And the thing is with that episode is it's only five seconds long. And it turns out Anchor kind of messed up on me. So I kind of fixed it up. Now we are... uh, That episode is full, ready to listen to. Uh, It is me talking about how much I... How much I I have... How little faith I have in the new trilogy currently. And how we got the next movie coming up. This episode, I want to talk about writing a Star Wars movie. Uh, Because everyone makes it look very easy. And when I say everyone makes it look very easy... I mean, um, it's, I don't know if, you know what, maybe it's not very easy. Because if it was easy, this trilogy would have been really good, right? You know, if we think logically. Um, But then we see something like The Mandalorian, and then that's what kind of makes it look easy. I discussed how some things, a lot of things are left in what I call reading between the lines. And uh, I'm going to, we're going to revisit all of this in this episode of Let's Write a Star Wars Story. Uh, and the first thing you do when you're writing a Star Wars story is pick a place in time. You know, like before you even decide the characters you want to make and have, you pick a place in time. And a lot of people have different interests. Uh, and the only time period to really know of is the Old Republic, which is like thousands of years prior to the movies, even prior to the prequels. But the prequels still have that sense of what the uh, the Jedi Council is and was and what they do and their job and their grand scheme of things. So um, <clears throat> that's that's their part. So that that's a, that's a big area. And the Old Republic also includes stuff like the Revan storyline and you know what the Sith were, which was much bigger than we've seen in any of the movies. And how the Jedi Council kind of prevails over everything, thinking there's no Sith around. Um, which we learned that the Sith, there's a couple still around, one mostly, and that one is Anakin, uh, who ultimately becomes Darth Vader. We know all that. So that, there's a there's a second. We have the Old Republic. That's one that's one point in time where there's a lot of Sith. There's a lot of Jedi, and Jedi powers in general are very rampant. You know, they're all over the place. There's tons of them, tons and tons of them. Uh, there's also, you know, there's a Republic and an army, uh, you know, the, I don't know how it stands, the Mandalorians and bounty hunters, that kind of situation. That's kind of iffy to me, but it's still there. Um, then we have where the trilogy takes place, Empire Days, you know, the darkest timeline uh, where most of the Jedi, if not all of them, are either dead or in hiding. Um, and... According to the latest game, Jedi Fallen Order, which I thought was very good, uh, there is that sense of, yes, there's still Jedi, but we got to find them. So it creates a kind of uh, tense story there. Um, okay, what, what are you doing, man? Oh, come on, go faster, go faster, go faster, go faster. You're old. Um, so, you know, that, that's that's a big plot line uh, with, the, with the Empire and Jedi are kind of gone and the, the thing with the empire when you have a strong sense of empireness in a story 
is that they're supposed to be really big and bad and evil. You know, that's that's kind of the clear dark side of things. Uh, which we... The Mandalorian is a very unique case of this. Because the Empire is long gone, but we still see stormtroopers. So, like, clearly there's these outcrops of um, regimes all over the place. And if you have ever read the book Aftermath... Aftermath holds a really big part in the downfall of what happens to the Empire, which is ultimately it crumbles into these tiny, small bits. Um, so that's a that's an interesting thing to know and, and think about when you're looking at Star Wars places to look. And then the last part, uh, which we have, is post-Empire and current Fallen Order stand. Uh, and that storyline can be interesting because... Um, with, with that area, um, when you look at the movies and stuff, and now this is taken outside extra stuff, when you look at the movies, this can be an interesting area to explore, too, because now the Force is coming back. And, excuse me, I'm, like, very burpy. I just drank hot soda. Um, the, um, you're experiencing the return of the Force, and, um, maybe your characters don't have Force powers and somehow... The Force, quote-unquote, awakens, and now they are kind of experiencing their turmoil and uh, their struggle with trying to understand how they're changing. Because change is a very hard thing to grasp for some people, and uh, the Force itself can be, become awakened in people who do not want it and people who do, you know? Um, and that can kind of mold characters into becoming more... Uh, Luke Skywalker, for, exist- for example, uh, he is was Force-sensitive because of his patronage. And then he goes from not really wanting it, uh, you know, to, to learning about it and becoming used, like becoming able to use the Force. So that's a very, uh, that's a, that's a very interesting example of a character who, pre- like, you know, unlike some stuff, you know, he was kind of a back alley kid and all of a sudden he was able to use the Force so well. And that's why he's Luke Skywalker. That's why he's a talent. And, you know, it's interesting to see a character like Yoda who talked about people being too old to use the Force or learn about the Force and, and to use it to their will. Uh, and then you have Luke Skywalker who is pretty much late teens, pretty much an adult who now has to use the Force, you know, to, to his... Uh, <clears throat> to help himself out and help his friends out and save the day ultimately. Uh, and then there's some other areas that you can set the story in. Uh, you know, you have episode one where you have the Separatist army and they're kind of big, you know, the Clone Wars era. That's That could be an interesting segment to put your story at. Um, it, it can be kind of iffy because you kind of know... Here's the thing, when you're when you're setting stuff in the past, and you're setting stories in the past with characters and whatnot, you know what the ending is going to be. You know, if you have a Jedi in your story, you know that Jedi's probably going to die. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of stuff around that character. And it kind of, you, you because you know the outcome, you're kind of like, uh, none of this matters. So the, the hardest part about having a story that's set in the past is to make a story that matters. Um, if you look at Rogue One, you know, the, the story about getting the plans of, from the Death Star, it's an interesting story in itself, but you kind of know the ending. 
Titanic. We know how that movie ends. The ship goes down. So what you have to do, and this is where I think something like Titanic succeeds in that Star Wars doesn't, is that if you know what the ending is, you got to make that ending be like the struggle. Titanic, the ship is going down, and it's about the characters dealing with that ship going down, and how some people survive, how some people die. So, that's what you have to focus on when it comes to something, anything that takes place in the past of Star Wars. So, having Rogue One, you kind of know what's going to happen, you know they're going to die. So the drama is filled in with how they do it. And it's it's okay. It's not one of my favorite movies. I maybe watched it twice. Um, but it was it was cool to see this kind of a heist-style movie. But remember, like, the last whole part with everyone dying and the plans getting out to uh, Princess Leia in the last moment. You know, that's where the drama is. And that has to be almost a character in itself. And uh, that has to be the big the big threat is time. Time is the big threat when you're talking about stories in the past. And that's if it's related to the big events. Like I said, Rogue One was a huge event. That was a very important thing to the succeed, uh, to, uh, for the Rebels to succeed in their mission. Uh, if you do what Star Wars The Fallen Order did, where that is set between uh, Revenge of the Sith to Empire. So it takes place after the Great Jedi Purge and Order 66 and whatnot. And that gets um, <laughs> hairy, I want to say. Uh, because you have a character who's ultimately, you know where he's going to go. He's going to be dead. Or he is going to stay in hiding. Um, I'm not going to spoil the end of that game. It's a rather good game. And I, I really suggest people play it, especially supporting Respawn. And supporting a single-player game done by EA, right? Amazing. Um, so, that, that's the thing to think about with the past. And yes, like I think Clone Wars is probably one of, some of my favorite stuff. Uh, because I love the clones. I don't know about you guys. I love how the clones are. I love the ships. I think they have such a cool aesthetic to them. Um, the, the Ark ship has the, a rear gunner, which first, I don't know why... I love that shit. Like, I love the Snowspeeder because of that. F- and I, there's no reason to. Like, everyone's like, what's your favorite ship? And I'm like, oh, I love the Snow... Like, if I was to have a ship in real life on this planet, on Earth, and not taking the rules of anything else, I would totally take a, a Snowspeeder. I don't know why. It just looks really cool, and I love it. Um, oh, that's gross. Excuse me. Okay, and then we have the future of Star Wars when it comes to storylines and that that can be interesting too because it can be literally whatever you want um you know where do you think and i think this is kind of where you when you go into the future of star wars and what it can present um yes there's unlimited unlimited power no there's an unlimited line of where you can explore um which i like you know you can do whatever you want and i think that's where Star Wars ultimately opens up and becomes kind of like, and I know it's going to sound weird, it's going to be like a D&D game. What do you, you, you have these characters, what do they do, what's their expertise in, and what's the big threat fighting them, you know? Because in the past, we always knew anything before Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader's going to be involved somehow. And any 
any game, any storyline, Darth Vader somehow always happens to be there. Somehow. We, you know, he's like the Mike Myers of Star Wars. He's just, you turn your head and he's right behind you. You know, that, that's kind of how he is. Uh, he's the big baddie. Uh, although I do like their involvement of other types of Sith Lord-like characters. Um, you know, you have, like, the Inquisitors and, you know, the Seven Sisters and stuff like that. Or I think there's nine of them. I don't know what they're called exactly. But there's the Inquisitors who are their own threatening presence besides Darth Vader. And I like that. Um, I think that's really important. I think it's cool to have because it's, you know, let's think about this. Darth Vader is such an important character. And he, he's a busy man. Darth Vader is a busy man. You know, like, he does a lot of stuff, and we know that. We've seen him go through a lot of different things. Um, if you're a reader of the comics and stuff, he he does a lot. And he's involved in a lot of things. Vader Down is probably one of the best comic series I've ever read. Because it shows you, like, how powerful Darth Vader really is. Uh, and he says one of the best lines in the comics... Which is just phenomenal. Uh, um, and to give you kind of an idea, and this is this is like the cool shit that you can do with a Star Wars canon, and why, and show like I don't know with Vader being a chess piece in this gigantic game. Vader down shows you exactly how powerful Vader is because you need to display that. The movies didn't do a wonderful job at that, but they showed you, you know what, you know what Vader was. He was a big medicine crazy guy in the end of Rogue One you saw him there being insanely good at everything and fight, killing of rebels so Vader Down in the comics and books do a great job of this too and Vader Down there's a specific scene where the rebels have Vader surrounded near the crash of his TIE fighter uh, after it got shot down somehow I can't remember exactly so he is standing in this field and he's surrounded by rebels and they all have their, their guns aimed at him and Darth Vader being Darth Vader, uh, they yell at him, you know, <laughs> surrender, you're surrounded. Vader responds with, the only thing I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men. And using his force powers, he sets off all the thermal detonators on every single one of their belts. Which shows you, this man, all he had to do is just wave his hand, and that's how powerful he is. That's, that's the thing that makes him terrifying. So, when you write a story... You need to have a very terrifying, you know, antagonist. You need to have someone who is going to be, like, the constant threat. Uh, now, I'm going to say that this doesn't really too much... This kind of applies to The Mandalorian, but in a different way. Where the threat to The Mandalorian isn't necessarily one big baddie. It is a multitude of bad guys. And the thing with Mandalorian is that Mando is he his his whole thing is that he's protecting Baby Yoda, and goddamn, he does a good job at it. He gives it his all and does what he needs to in order for his mission to succeed. Fantastic, great, wonderful, uh, and I I love it. I'm not a big fan of escorty like missions because I just find them kind of boring myself. And I get it; you're gonna do whatever you can to protect Baby Yoda, but goddamn, Baby Yoda's precious. So precious. So, of course, he has to do his thing there. Uh, so you have the big baddie. You know, maybe it could be Carl Weathers. It could be the Empire guy that he was dealing 
doing business with and then just kind of walked away from. You know, it, he's kind of got a, multiple enemies, but some of the big enemies that he has is actually, like, just whoever's there. And that that's, you know, in one of the episodes, he's kind of protecting a village because he's looking for a place, a place to keep Baby Yoda at where he'll be safe. And it's clear to him that no matter what he does, if he always has Baby Yoda next to him, he's going to be in constant danger. So his the threat around Mando is literally everything. It, it's the unknowing. It's it's surprise. It's it's something that can't really be formed too well. And as long as, like I said, as long as he's doing the job that we oh so love that he does, there's always going to be that threat. That threat is, when is my time up? Because Yoda is only 55 years old, which is, uh, for, uh, you know, baby Yoda, 55, yeah, okay, get it. Um, but, you know, that that's the thing in that show, uh, is protecting him and getting, we don't, like, I don't know how this is going to end. Like, that. this is a show that can progressively go on forever. And I don't know if the whole, like, protecting baby Yoda thing will be able to stay as the core concept, but like we're never gonna see Baby Yoda take care of himself. Obviously, that's gonna get have to get handed down to someone else's responsibility, and he's always gonna be sought after. So that that is something that we have to kind of keep an eye on, and we have to like pay attention to because the, once again, motivations change. So can threats. You know, so can enemies. Enemies can change, and they often do in the TV shows. So, when you're writing, you I like to kind of think about the bad guy first. What does the bad guy do? What does what does what powers does he have? What does he have at his disposal? What is his platform? Where does he stand? And then you know, I know I mentioned D and D earlier, Dungeons and Dragons, not the guys who did shitty Game of Thrones last season. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is this is wonderful stuff for you on there too. So if you play D and D, and you're a dungeon master or game master, this could be useful for you too, because this is kind of how I see certain things. You know, this is just me. So, slap my lug, uh, knee slapping, whatever. Let's talk about the bad guy first. Now you pick your setting. Where do you want your Star Wars characters to be? Uh, okay, clearly J.J. Abrams is working in the future of Star Wars. What is the future have? What are th- you have to establish rules of this universe. And the rules of this universe are pretty clear-cut. You know, uh, the Force, what is it? It's a power that binds all life. And it allows you to do certain abilities. You know, there's two sides, light and dark side. Uh, although there's also kind of a median gr- uh, gray side, which no one really explores. And... We never really answer that, but there's a lot of people who suggest who is what side of things. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, we would have it being that he's more of a gray Jedi than a light side Jedi, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we're talking about the future of Star Wars. So you have this new trilogy, which means that the rules for the future of Star Wars kind of can change. Uh, you know, because this is post-Darth Vader. This is what what is what char- what are what characters doing? Because now you have existing characters that are going to have a life after whatever it is that happens after Return of the Jedi. So you kind of have to think about what these characters' motivations are and what do they do. Um, 
So you have Luke Skywalker, who is the only Jedi in the galaxy that, as far as we are led to believe, it could be false. So you kind of have some reading between the lines here. What does he do? What happens? Vader's dead, so the big threat's gone. Um, the Empire is no longer, although we learned with the Mandalorian that there's still remnants around, and according to Aftermath, there's still people around. There's still these little resistances or residuals of Empire-ness around. So you think about that. Where, where, do, where, do, where does the Empire lie? Uh, what is the biggest threat? What is Luke Skywalker doing? So he's probably on his mission to rebuild the Jedi Order. So we know in now because of the last Jedi, we learned that Luke did that. He tried to, and he kind of failed because Kylo Ren fell to the dark side. Okay, understandable. That's what happens in the books too. So we we get that. That that is a very good stance. That's very possible. Because remember, balance. Everything has to be balanced. There has to be good and bad. If Luke is the big, great old Jedi, you're going to have a, a Sith Lord that has equal power somehow. Um, remember that the Sith, and this is one of the laws that you kind of have to follow when it comes to storylines, is that the Jedi ultimately win the war while the Sith win the battle. Uh, we see that with Empire Strikes Back where, yes, the Rebels don't have a great win and the whole movie is them getting beaten down. But Return of the Jedi is supposed to be that that uplifting segment where they finally get their revenge. Um, and this is what I love about longevity in trilogies. As A New Hope introduces you to these characters, they have, yes, they have their threat, which is the Death Star. Okay, and that they defeat that. There you go. Leave on a good note. Well, the Empire's going to retaliate. Empire strikes back. Okay, they're going to play some sneaky games. Okay, now it ends on a down note. One of the best characters gets captured, frozen in carbonite, and the people, like, Luke loses his hand, learns that Darth Vader is his father. Total downer. Downer. One after another. Down, down, down. So, you have these characters who now need to collect themselves and, you know, figure out a way to, to solve their problems one by one. And... Empire Strikes Back is a great movie because it ends on such a down note and it really beats the characters up and they learn from their from their mistakes and they learn what they have to do so now we can have Return of the Jedi where the characters reunite they rally themselves and they go against the bad and finally bring about the last battle because they've had enough and they learned they learned, they, they trained they, they got better at what they're doing they have solid plans, they learned what they cannot do and what they can do so, we look at the new trilogy, and we don't have that, you know? We kind of have, like, the big bad in the first movie, Force Awakens. Yes, that's fine. I love The Force Awakens, like I said. I thought it was a great introduction to this new trilogy. Um, the Last Jedi was a bit of a mess, you know, uh, among Star Wars fans. Once again, I liked it, but it was still not as big as what other people wanted. Uh, it wasn't as popular. There's a lot of bad decisions made, even killing off Luke Skywalker. Yes, granted, Luke Skywalker could not fight like anyone else can. You know, he's not going to be jumping over people and doing back backflips and stuff. That's not him at the age of 60-something. Um, but, you know, I, I think he kind of went out a decent way, I guess. Um, anyway, I think with this trilogy is that 
I don't think they were beaten down enough in the second movie, and that's the thing. You know, that's the big difference, because I don't think they thought about each of the characters or in the, the story parts as a trilogy. They thought of, about it in each of their own like existing universes of how is this going to work? How is this going to work? So nothing really carries on a lot. And that's, that's, a, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Um, you look at characters like Kylo Ren, who's clearly the bad guy. He's clearly going to move on. You have Rey, who's going to have her own little thing. But you still have situations like Luke Skywalker. Um, things just kind of... I don't want to say they come to an end. But they just kind of... I don't know. Maybe they're not solved. Or they don't feel like that continuing storyline. Um, so... I think everything is made in small little bits compared to the big overall arcing story. Um, and, like, I don't know, the end of Return of the Jedi, it didn't feel like the characters, like, I don't want to say they didn't learn anything. The, the characters themselves probably learned something, but it didn't feel like the lesson itself stuck. And I guess that's where we kind of have to see, like, this third movie, we kind of have to see how that goes. So, okay, so... And that's the other thing, too, is that it's called Rise of Skywalker. You have a big thing with Kylo Ren. How is this going to work? How is this all going to work? Like, is the lessons going to be learned for these characters? Is this, is like, what's going to happen with Rey? Because now all of a sudden there's too much going on with Rey. It just feels like it's all over the place. And learning that there's going to be 26 different plot lines, like, fulfilled over 26 from what I heard, that's insane. There shouldn't be 26 of these things. You shouldn't have to worry about this much information. It should be very basic. It should be simple. Um, I think you have a lot of characters fighting for the spotlight in different situations. You know, we had, like, remember, uh, we had the Luke Skywalker and Rey situation. That's one. You had the Kylo Ren and Snoke situation. That's two. You had... Finn and Rose, yet Poe, yet Leia, who was sleeping half the time. You know, you had a bunch of different moving parts working at the same time. And also, there was kind of like a little, like, begrudgingly, begrudging fight between Kylo Ren and uh, his own guy, Hux. Um, so there's kind of like a lot to tie up, you know? There's a lot of these moving parts. When Return of the Jedi, all it really had to tie up was what happens to the Empire. And what happens with Luke and his father, learning about his father. You know, how does that tie up? And that's way different. That's way different than what they're doing now. And that's where I kind of feel like things are way different and kind of hard to manage. Because you got so many people in so many different places that how are you going to tie up everything? And now it's 26 different plot lines you got to tie up. That's a lot. That's like lying on top of a lie on top of a lie. And now you're forgetting the lies you told, so now you don't know what to do. So I feel like... You have to write a basic Star Wars story because this is what this is about. You need to have your time. You need to have a really good bad guy because this guy, and you got to think about him. What does he do? How does he do it? Where does he get the funding for this stuff? If he's a bounty hunter, why? How? You know, what's moving him? Then you think about the good guys. What are the like good guys are going to act because of desperation. They're going to act because they have to. They'll be put into a position where they... Remember, these are heroes. These are good people. Not the everyday kind of 
person just walking around doing whatever they want. These are heroes. These are people who stand up for what is right. Otherwise, they are nothing. They're just common folk. And it doesn't make sense to make a story about common folk because then you're writing, oh, this person saw something and now they're cooking dinner. That's boring. You need to... These people are heroes. And what makes them a hero? That's what you're writing about. So, you have a situation... Bounty hunter. Let's let's stick with the bounty hunter thing. Get a bounty hunter. They have a target on someone. They're finding it. Let, let's say a young Jedi who somehow got out of the way, you know. And now you have these heroes who are trying to maybe save the kid. They see the kid. Maybe the kid's a a, a person in society. And he's important to the uh, to the like the society's functionality. Or maybe the, the kid built a relationship with everyone around him, and now people around him want to support him or her. You know, that, that's something that can happen. So that, that could be your basic plot line right there. Is that you have a couple of these characters. They finally stand up for what is right against this bounty hunter. And now shit is going crazy. So that's your storyline. What do the characters do? What makes the power... What's gonna, what the, what's the bounty hunter going to do? Because clearly you also need to have a bad guy who's going to be clearly more powerful than the heroes. Like, clearly power more powerful. Bounty hunters have a lot at their disposal. They have other bounty hunters. They have technology. they got the ability to fight. Maybe they're more martial than other characters. Maybe they have abilities and they're stronger, more apt. Uh, you think about, like, Boba Fett. Or let's take Mando in this instance. Mandalor- the Mandalorian. Maybe he has... Like... Maybe he has more technology and abilities and weapons that other people do not have. Maybe he has force powers. Ooh, how crazy would that be? Uh, nothing crazy like like the dark side powers that the Sith have, but just enough that makes you go like, oh shit, maybe he can change the direction in which a rocket goes in. You know, stuff like that. That's important. That's important to the development of... The character, since now here's what's going to happen, is that the heroes are going to meet the bad guy. Let's say the bad guy finds this kid. All right, cool. Finds a kid that cannot defend himself, doesn't even have a lightsaber, possibly. And now these people who are fighting him, maybe, let's say, maybe one's a soldier, you know, give him some typical background, something that's going to give him the ability to have some basic fighting concepts and abilities. Give that to them. And now... They're going to take on this guy. And maybe they don't know each other very well. Maybe these people do. And they're fighting and they're kind of all over the place. So Bounty Hunter beats them. But they're still able to save the day. They're still able to save this kid from the terribleness that is the Empire. So you, this this is what you can have. Have a big, bite, a big opening battle. Um, shit kind of doesn't go right. Okay, understandable. Now, this is kind of like a situation where you kind of have to drive the bad guy away. So how do you do that? How do you drive a bounty hunter away? Maybe he runs out of ammo. Maybe he uses too much of his resources. Maybe something else is happening to draw him away. But it has to be big enough where it's believable. So what drives this Mandalorian away? What's what's believable? Um, Maybe his ship is under attack. Maybe he just gets beaten a bunch uh, where they, like, even, and this is kind of the interesting part, maybe he's being attacked, and the good guys run out of resources, but so does he. 
but he doesn't know that they actually don't have any more resources either. So maybe he chooses to take on this fight a different way. Maybe he kills someone. Or, if you want to go even further, maybe he succeeds in getting the person. And now you have your motivation for your characters. They take the kidnap the you kidnap someone. Excuse me. Now they gotta go get this person back. Maybe they gotta save this person. So they go out and they save him. Okay, understandable. Now they go out and they save the person. Uh, and there's your journey. They have to learn about each other. They have to learn how to fight off the, this bounty hunter. Maybe they, but maybe the bounty hunter has an origin somewhere. Maybe to discover that. Maybe the... Remember that bounty hunters and Mandalorians specifically have signets. Maybe they find a signet. Maybe they see an emblem on this guy. Perception checks. And they go, oh man, it looks like this. There's a symbol on there. What does this symbol mean? They could bring it to someone who might know what that symbol means. And then that leads them... That trickles them along the storyline. As this one guy is probably being tortured or captured or whatever. Um, and the, the, as the storyline's going on with this hero... We have another storyline going with these heroes. I mean, sorry, with the heroes, we also have the sub-storyline of what is happening with the bounty hunter. Why did he go out and capture this young person? Maybe there's a new Sith Order coming about, and they need to have this guy here. And maybe the bounty hunter could have been played the entire time. He was promised a bunch of money, maybe, and now he's getting nothing. And that would make me angry. Now imagine what he would feel if he was betrayed. And if he's going against someone as big as a Vader-like character or an Inquisitor or something, some remnant from the Sith days and age, you know, maybe he teams up with the heroes. That's a possibility. Although, only temporarily because he just wants to get paid. You know? Maybe he just wants his money and that's his motivation. But that's that's where we, we're kind of at. And that, you know, it's not a crazy Star Wars story. It's nothing... Like, jaw-droppingly amazing. It's only something I came up with off the top of my mind. But it's, like, that whole concept of people working together, learning and doing things like that, that is beginning to end, you know, nuts and bolts, you know, super nuts kind of a story. You know, there's your basic stuff. It's nothing complicated. There's There's not 26 plot lines you're dealing with. You know, that's your plot line. And that's it. That, you know, it's not that hard to come up with a decent Star Wars story. I don't know why you need to have everything that J.J. Abrams has where, you know, there's so much going on. And maybe some stories don't need to be a trilogy. You know, maybe it could be a simple thing. Uh, So, anyway, that's it for me, guys. Uh, I will see you guys next time. I'll catch you later on the show. Uh, And that's it. All right, thank you very much, guys. Have a great night, and we'll see you later. Have a good weekend. Peace. Peace.